You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that is not your history class with me, your host, Katie Charlewood, unicorn appreciator and reader of books. It has been a busy week. A very busy week. You know what it's like when you have so many things to do and not enough time to do them? Uh, That's been the case. And also, apparently, I have an esophageal tear caused in combination of stress. (laughs) Stress me? What? A combination of stress and cheap painkillers, apparently. So I'm no longer allowed to use those, which is super fun for everybody involved. This week we are talking about Princess Anne. Oh yeah, I am really mad about this because like of all the stories, of all the things they could have shown in The Crown, this, this is a great one. It's fantastic. And it it just seems so far-fetched. The way this event turns out is it's kind of like a yes and improv show. It's like, yes, and this person shows up. And yes, and this happens. It is, it's fantastic actually. But let's get down to it. And so today I am telling you of apologies. Um, I'm a little hoarse because uh, of everything. So we are talking about the failed, the attempted kidnapping of Anne Princess Royal. Now, I know what you're thinking. Quit your jibber-jabber and fact me, goddammit. And I will, but first got to get our source on. So, uh, this, the information I have here is from the, I've got the Daily Express. Uh, I've got the um, Independent, the Smithsonian Mag, and and a book by Hui, Hui, Hui? <laughs> Can't pronounce his name. John Hui um, and Princess Royal. So let's do this and let's get down to business to explain the puns. Okay, so if you haven't heard the story, sit down my friends, it's a wild ride. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? Who is Princess Anne? Princess Anne is the only daughter of Queen Elizabeth II and of course the second because Queen Elizabeth I had no kids and Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. Princess Anne, I mean, if you have to pick a royal 
out of the four of the Queen's children who's the best. Definitely Princess Anne is my favourite um, because she's so dry and quick-witted and very blunt and I really appreciate that. And also she finds things, she finds things funny. Like my mum had to do this um, table service thing when she was working in London and she had to wear like these special white gloves and she was supposed to cook this fish at the table for Princess Anne. And so she she tries, she tries, but as my mum is trying to cook this fish, sidebar, as this my mum is trying to cook this fish, she actually sets fire. <laughs> she sets fire to her gloves and is like, and obviously uh, Princess Anne finds this fucking hilarious and my mum has to get sent back into the kitchen and someone else to come out and do the fish. <laughs> She's gonna kill me for telling that story, but love you, mom. So when when you are children of royalty, you don't really have a lot of options and stuff. She really liked horses, um, which is something she got from her mum's side of the family. Actually, her mum, Queen Liz likes a she likes a horse. She does so. And Princess Anne, she becomes an equestrian, and she actually meets Captain Mark Phillips through equestrian circles. Uh, they get married, and four months into the marriage, on March 20th, 1974, they were at this charity event. And when royals went to events like this, it was very well publicised that they were going to be at these events. So she goes to this charity film screening of some kind, and it is... What movie it was? I don't know. Do I care? Not really. So they're, they've been to the charity film screening up by Trafalgar Square, and they're heading back to Buckingham Palace. Now, they're in this maroon Rolls-Royce limousine, marked with the royal insignia, because nothing says, look at me, I'm here, than a coloured car with a royal seal on it. So in this maroon Rolls Royce we have Princess Anne, Cap- her husband Captain Mark Phillips, her lady-in-waiting, whose name has not been anywhere, her chauffeur, Alex Callender, and her bodyguard, Inspector James Wallace Beaton. So, Inspector James Beaton, he is... He's a member of the SO14, which is Scotland Yard's, um, like, special branch. The whole purpose of which is royalty protection. And at this time, like, it wasn't... When royals went to unofficial, like, functions, like, film screening, stuff like that, they would only have one bodyguard on them. That was just kind of how it was at the time. So, yeah, the film screening was on in Trafalgar Square. And they were travelling down to Buckingham Palace, where they were residing at the time. They're heading down the mall towards Buckingham Palace and suddenly this for- white Ford Escort stops like right in front of them and so they have to stop the car. The car door opens and out jumps this man with a beard and ginger hair and with a handgun in each fucking hand and he is racing towards the car. So beaten, he's like He's like, this dude's just, you know, got road rage, he's just mad, he's gonna cause a fucking notion. So he gets out the car ready to speak to the guy and talk him down, and the dude shoots him in his right shoulder. And this man was Ian Ball, was 26 years old, and he had just shot the princess's bodyguard. So, Beaton has a gun. So most, like, police officers in the UK, they don't have guns. Beaton, because he was assigned to protect the royal family, had a gun. So Beaton tried to shoot Ian Ball, you know, but he's 
Firstly, he's struggling to aim because he's been shot in the fucking shoulder. But after the gun fires once, it jams. So Ian Ball, so he's trying to open one of the back doors of the car and he is, and he's shaking it, trying to get it open. And he's yelling, open or I'll shoot. So Captain Mark Phillips and Princess Anne, they are holding the door shut. And they're doing this so that the lady in waiting can actually get out the car on the other side. So they're holding the door shut. So Princess Anne, she's actually closer to the door. So she's holding on to the door and he's behind her sort of holding on to her. So he's got his hands around her waist. So the two of them are sort of holding on to the, the inside of the door, trying to keep it shut. And they're doing this so that Princess Anne's lady-in-waiting can get out. And she does. She crawls out the back seat. So while this is happening, and she's crawling out the car, Inspector Beaton gets himself back into the car to put himself between between the princess and the assailant. But Ian Ball shoots into the car and through Beaton's hand. So he's been shot in the shoulder, in the hand, and then um, Ian Ball, he shoots him a third time. And, and it's this third bullet, this third shot, which basically forces him out of the car and onto the ground. At this point, the chauffeur, Alex Callender, he gets out to try and, you know, stop, to stop Ball. But while he's trying to stop him, he gets shot in the chest and he falls back into the car. So Ian Ball has shot both her security guard and her driver and he pulls the door back open again. So he grabs Princess Anne by the arm and while he's trying to pull her out, Captain Phillips, he has his hands around her waist trying to keep pulling her back into the car. So the gunman and her husband, they're playing a game of tug of war and Anne is the rope. And as he's pulling her, right, he's going, please come out, please come out, you've got to come. So he's yanking her by the arm and, you know, Phillips has got a good grip on her waist and her bespoke dress rips right down the back and um, like later on she says that you know it took everything for her to not lose her rag because she was just so mad at her dress ripping and so he's like you've got to come you've got to come and her response is not bloody likely so while this commotion is going on PC Michael Hills he is just patrolling nearby like he's on his patrol nearby and he hears you know the struggle he hears uh When he comes across the scene, he sees two cars just sitting out there and him, you know, leaning into the car and grabbing someone. You know, so initially he's just like, so he thinks that, you know, there's been some kind of car accident and like this sort of fucking fight, some road rage fight has come of it. And he's, you know, I'm going to go sort this out. I'm a police officer. You know what it's like. And so he goes up, touches Ball on the shoulder and he turns around and shoots PC Michael Hills in the stomach. And as he's collapsing on the ground, he manages to radio his station for backup. So Ron Russell, a six foot four former boxer, he's driving home from work because he's like, um, he's an exec of some cleaning company at this point and he's driving home from work. And he sees this commotion on the side of the road and he's like, shit, pulls over, gets out of the car and he sees the shooting happen and he legs it to- towards the gunman to try and stop what's going on. And so, while he's heading towards them, so this car, another car, another driver, a chauffeur named Glenmore Martin, 
He's driving up and he sees what's going on, very quickly sees what's going on and parks his car in front of the Ford Escort, boxing it in, meaning that he's not going to be able to drive away and escape. So, you know, he thinks, oh, maybe I'll be able to distract him. But then Bogs, you know, aims at him and he decides to run towards helping the, you know, the shot guy who's on the ground, the shot officer that's on the ground. Also, in what I can only assume is the only time a journalist from the Daily Mail ever did anything decent, John Brian McConnell, the insignia, he, like, he was following the couple, saw what was going on and was like, shit. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And he thinks, I can resolve this because I'm a tabloid journalist. So he sees the shit that's going down and he's like, oh crap. So he runs to the scene and he says to Paul, and I'm sorry, I'm going to do the voice because I'm going to fuck. Don't be silly old boy. Put the gun down. Uh, and you know, what happens is he gets shot, making him now the third man bleeding on the fucking ground. So McConnell's falling to the ground. So Anne manages to push herself out the other side of the car from the so she out the sort of the driver's side of the car she manages to throw herself out that side and Bog sees that she's out and he runs around the car towards her and when he does that she jumps back into the car and closes the door Ball turns around and as he turns around Ron Russell the boxer that we mentioned before he gets up to him and punches him in the back of the head because when in doubt, use your fists. And, and by now, all of the backup that PC Hills had called is now coming upon the scene. And Anne notices that all the police are sort of showing up at this point and says to, and says to her wannabe kidnapper, go on, now's your chance. And uh, basically telling him, you know, if you want to escape, now's the time to fucking do it. So there's this uh, temporary detective constable uh, Peter Edmonds, you know, because he had heard he had heard PC Hell's call for backup, and yeah, and he's you know driving up, and he sees this guy with a gun running like fuck through St James's Park. So what Edmonds does is he legs it after Ball, throws his coat over Ball's head, tackles him to the ground, and makes an arrest. So Ian Ball had over. £300 and £10 notes on him when he was arrested. And in the car, and as it turns out, Ian Ball was 26 years old. He had rented a car in the name of John Williams. And inside the car, there were two pairs of handcuffs, Valium tranquilizers, and a ransom letter addressed to the Queen. So he types out this ransom note. And this ransom note has, it basically criticises the royal family and demands a two million pound ransom in five pound notes, in fivers, with the money stored in 20 unlocked suitcases and put on a plane destined for Switzerland. And not only this, 
But Queen Elizabeth II herself was to show up to the plane to confirm the authenticity of her signatures on necessary paperwork. And, um... On top of this, at some point in this ransom note, it also says, it says that if the money isn't delivered, Princess Anne will be shot dead. And what's weird is that the plane is to go to Switzerland, but also the money is supposed to go towards the NHS, the National Health Service. Like, that's what this... I, I just... Yeah. Um, which is um really... Like, obviously, nowadays, you would get um, lots of information regarding this just because of how uh, everything works. But, like, back in the day, like, this was very much kept quiet. Like, the reports were not everywhere like they would be now. And, um, And when the news did get out, people were scrambling to find out... People just, they couldn't, they couldn't understand, um, how a mentally unstable... 26-year-old man who was unemployed managed to to not only mastermind but fund this whole kidnapping attempt. You know, but these theories start coming up because the Symbionese Liberation Army, they they had kidnapped Patty Hearst and what they had wanted was the ransom for Patty Hearst was supposed to be donated to like some charity to feed hungry Californians or something. You know, there's a possibility that it was inspired by that. So even after all the sort of speculation and everything, no one thought it was anything more than just one dude being obsessive. So Ian Ball, he appears in court on April 4th and he gives this statement as to what motivated this particular crime. So he gets to speak in court and what he and he, he basically says that the reason he attempted to kidnap Princess Anne was because he wanted to draw attention to the lack of facilities for treating mental illness under the NHS. Um, Ball himself had a history of of mental illness, something his lawyer brought up quite a bit. And Ian Ball pleads guilty to attempted murder and kidnapping and he gets sentenced to a life term in this mental health facility Broadmoor which is um, a high-security psychiatric hospital. And if this sounds familiar, that's because there are... They've had quite a number of um, high-profile patients, including Peter Bryan, a serial killer and cannibal, Robert Napper, the serial killer, Roderick McLean, the poet who tried to assassinate Queen Victoria, Christiana Edmonds, the chocolate cream poisoner, Kenneth Erskine, serial killer... Ronald Cray, that's right, one of the Cray twins, he was there. Robert Maudsley, serial killer. Thomas John Lay, murderer. Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire fucking ripper. To name but a few. So, in 1983, Ball writes a letter to Parliament and um, basically claiming that the whole... uh, attempted kidnapping thing was a hoax and he was framed and all this kind of other shit. Basically, the day after the attack, the the royal couple, Princess Anne and Captain Mark Phillips, they just went back to normal. They were like, nope, this isn't stopping us. Uh, She was going back to her horses. He was going back to um, teach cadets. And um, then later on that year, the George Cross 
um, which is like the highest civilian award for courage. So basically, in September, people involved were uh, given sort of honours. Inspector Beaton, he gets the George the St George's Cross, which is like the highest civilian award for courage. Won the second highest for bravery as the George Medal, and that went to PC Hills and Ron Russell. Then the gallantry medals they went to PC Edmonds, um, John Brian McConnell, Alex Callender, and then um, Glenmore Martin. He receives uh, the Queen's commendation for brave conduct. So when Ron Russell is getting his George Medal, when he's getting presented with the George Medal, the Queen says, you know. You know, the medal is from the Queen of England and the thank you is from Anne's mother. And that, and that, my friends, is the story of the failed kidnapping of Princess Anne. So, what did we learn today? Ah, that sometimes daily mail writers can be something other than giant turds. Also, even when in danger, just because you are in mortal peril does not mean you do not have the opportunity to be snarky. <laughs> So, I'm going to do some recommendations. So, recommendations for this week are... So, reading-wise, I am actually reading a little book called Horrible Histories, Spies, by Terry Deary. It is a children's book. I make no regrets regarding that. But that's how it is. And that's how we're doing it. So, suck it up. If you haven't, although I must say, if you haven't read... If you haven't read Crazy Rich Asians, absolutely 100%, you should totally go read it. It's very good. Uh, You could always watch The Crown and be mad that they did not add this fantastic, fantastic scene. But of course, let's let's have the camera pan at a sad, sad Diana. But like, whatever. Also, in addition, furthermore, something to watch... I recently started watching Filthy Rich on uh, Disney Plus because I I'm but um I am surprised. I mean it is kind of soapy, but I just I find anything that sort of revolves around sort of TV preachers I find that a weirdly interesting genre. Although if you're looking for something that's more comedic, uh, unlike cause this feels more like a drama day to me. But if you're looking for something more comedic, I would definitely, definitely suggest The Righteous Gemstones. That is fantastic. It is glorious. And, um, yeah, yeah. And listening to... I have been listening to... Actually, to help me sleep at night, um, I listen to an episode of Crime in Sports. And I have zero interest or knowledge regarding sports. But you don't really need it for this. I want to say a big thank you to um, everyone who's been supporting on Patreon. You've really been helping. You've really been helping um, because hosting and then the bonus episodes, it's all been a bit. So I want to thank you so much for that. And if you want to keep supporting me, um, you can. You can have, I think it starts at like a euro, so that's like 90 cents or something. You know, if you want to support that way, if you want to support in other ways, there's also, there's also following and interacting on social media. So on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook, it's Who Did What Now Pod. And on Twitter, it is Who Did What Now PD. And you can also follow my personal account, um, What Katie Head, on Twitter as well, if you want to do that. And I am going to go check on my purple throat. 
I think it's about time I rested my voice because I can really feel the hoarseness happening right now. So I just want to say um, thank you to everyone for listening. It's been great. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir to them, my friends. Bye-bye. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.